0: All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the new Paradigm podcast. You have myself with you, Lotfi Drift and Eli Sanchez. So a little about Eli, he's been coaching me on sales and has a huge impact on, um, you know, my ability to close sales and get more clients at scale. Um, he's sold tens of millions of dollars in sales. And you know, actually, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit on give us a quick intro on some of the things you've done.
1: Sure, Laffy, man. Thanks for yeah. having me, by the way. And I won't yeah. take too long talking about myself, but I've been, I've been really lucky, man. I think naturally, sales has been something I was interested in when, uh, you don't know this. I never even actually shared this one publicly, but when I was like 15 years old, my high school had a magazine selling contest. And I was wow. first in that, you know, and then I was 18 years old. I was selling suits at Nordstrom and I was top two in the entire company for the two cells that they had, the men's half year, like the two yearly cells, you know? And so I think I naturally enjoyed cells, um, but it was a lot of it was just me being naturally passionate and maybe confident in, in my abilities, but I didn't really have the skills, but over time I was lucky enough to have really good mentors and I was lucky enough to learn some really cool techniques. And then I realized there was actually like a system to cells. And so Fast forward a little bit to not bore you guys. We've sold well into the eight figures. So tens of millions for our own companies that we have. We own gyms. We have kind of like uh, business coaching as well. And then as you know, I teach sales all over the world now. And so that's kind of where I'm at.
0: Amazing. amazing. Yeah. um, So I think one of the first things we touched on when you um, were coaching me, I think that's a great point uh, to start with. You know, it's the whole idea of like boxing, boxing people in, in sales. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's a very interesting way of like persuasion, um, during the call to get people to see, um, like, you know, your value, the value of the product and get them to actually open up. Um, I'd love to get into that for, for a bit. Sure,
1: man. That's a fun thing. Right. And that's really what I think any great salesperson would figure out eventually, um, like if you ask anyone who's taught sales for a while, you say, what are like the three most common objections? We all kind of know, well, it's too expensive, right? So the finances, let me think about it, which is, that's not the right time. So there's finances, there's timing, or people will blame it on some type of other person. Like, let me talk to my business partner. We don't make decisions on the spot. Let me talk to my wife. Let me talk to my husband, right? So there's like the spouse thing, right? So it doesn't take too many calls for you to start seeing a the theme like, okay, there's finances, there's timing, and there's spouse. Those are typically the evil trifecta is what we call it, the three main objections, right? And so if you know, like, okay, those are my three main objections that I'm getting consistently, the answer becomes, I should ask questions early in the call that kind of box them in the way you're using it. The term box is a great, kind of box them in this area where it makes, it pre-handles those objections. So you don't have to deal with finances or timing or spouse at the end of the call. And the cool part is, you know, we've helped tens of thousands of people learn sales. Most people have the same objections and most people have the same beliefs. So if you really want to master this game of sales, it's not just pre-handling those three objections. You also handle the beliefs that they would need to have in order to sign up. So in other words, like, say you're selling um, ads, right? What does someone need to know? What does someone need to believe about themselves, about what they believe around investments, what they believe around time, what they believe around, you know, freedom? What are those thoughts? What do they need to believe in order to sign up with you for your ad agency? So you're charging $15,000 for ads, right? And so then we understand, well, they need to know for sure, for example, that they can't do the ads themselves. That's an obvious one, right? If they do them themselves, they're gonna lose time and they're not gonna do them as well as an expert. We know that that's something they need to believe. So doesn't it make sense for us to add those things earlier on the call, right? So you could ask certain questions that kind of lead them to realize the truth that they do want support and they'd go farther and faster with your help. And so we can go into the actual tactics, like examples of that later if you'd like, but that's really the overall principle and strategy. Figure out what they need to believe and then build throughout the call, boxing in questions that get them to come up with the answers themselves. Because if you just try to convince someone of something, they're not going to like it. They're going to be defensive, right? People don't like to be convinced on sales calls. But if you ask questions that get them to tell you, why they want help, why they've been looking for help, why they think they'll go farther and faster if they have more time. you get them to say all those things, then it becomes true. So that's really the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely, totally with you. Um, so when it comes to the beliefs, um, mm-hmm. like how, how do you typically go about doing that in the beginning of the call? Like, especially if they have other beliefs, like for example, Doing it yourself, I think that's pr- pretty big one. What, yeah? H- how do you handle that in the beginning of the call? Then
1: that's a great question, man. Well, yeah. there's um, it depends who's listening to this call. If you're advanced, I talk to you a little bit different than if you're relatively new. So there's three stages that we teach this stuff. The first stage is just framework, which is like here's the type of questions you should ask, here's why those questions work, like here's what a cell should look like, and it's just like Understand the questions, right? Because 95% of people are asking the wrong types of questions. So the first thing we teach when we teach people sales is like those basic questions. This is what a good framework work looks like, right? Understand the problem, the duration of the problem, the impact of the problem, all those type of things. Problem, solution, the consequence of them not doing anything, right? Your presentation, how you actually present your product connecting with them after and making sure that they're clear on the process, dropping the investment, and then closing them, right? So that's like the normal flow that you teach people. After they learn that, this is where it gets really fun. Then stage two is personality selling. And that's where you sell a little bit different to the different types of people you're talking to, which obviously makes sense, right? If you're having a conversation just with your grandmother versus having a conversation with your best friend at a party, you're gonna talk a little bit different, right? So you have to have that flexibility when you're having conversations with people and you need that when you're on sales calls too. So stage two, we teach you how to figure out the different personality types. And guess what? If you know what someone's personality type is, you also know what their fears are. I was on a call um, maybe two months ago I I jump in sales calls a lot just to kind of make videos and I I have the recordings and I show people what I'm doing. So I jumped on a sales call and this guy was a uh, fitness guy and his shirt was off, man. He had his t-shirt off. He was like laying on the, on his bed or something on a sales call. And so a guy with big old muscles that's comfortable taking his shirt off that's laying on the bed. What type of personality is that? Right? He wants to be seen as significant and he wants to be seen as strong That's kind of obvious, right? There's just shirts off, you know? But I know I want to box him into certain beliefs. And what do I want to box him in? Well, I don't want any objections. Specifically, this guy, shirt off, buff dude, told me that he had a business partner and that business partner was the money. That guy was the investor, right? And so I know that potentially at the end of the call, he's going to say, yep, let me go talk to my business partner. I don't want that. And I also know his drivers. He's strong. He's significant, right? So throughout the call, I'm kind of building him into that person. Where I'll say certain things like, um, I, and I love the fact that you kind of take ownership on a lot of this stuff and you just move quickly. Like most people don't have that mindset. Has that always been something you've had? Or did you kind of build into that person? And he's like, no, I'm always a guy. Like if I say something's going to get done, I make it happen. I'm like, I love it. And at what point did you decide that you might go farther and faster with some support? Dude, I, I'm all about having a coach. I have a coach. My coach has a coach. Like, that's what life's about. You know, so I'm like feeding him into like telling me all these reasons that he wants a coach. I'm like, I love that. I don't need to convince you of that. And you probably already know this. And I tell the guy, and you probably already know this. And I see him start nodding. He's like, yeah, I already know this. So I haven't even told him what it is, right? But I'm like, and you probably already know this. And he's like, yep. So now he thinks of himself as significant, strong, intelligent. This guy's the man right? And so I'm like, this guy understands everything. And I'm kind of feeding it a little bit. And then a few minutes later, I go, and I think I understand this um, based off what you're telling me. But does, is there anyone else that needs to be at the table? Or are you kind of the one that c- calls the shots for this stuff? He's like, oh, no, I- I'll handle everything. So now he doesn't know, but he just took off the excuse that he needs to talk to his business partner. And in my mind, check. I don't have to deal with spouse or business partner because this guy handles everything. He doesn't even realize that he's prehandling the objections in his own mind. And so from there, I just kind of figure out finances. And then what else we talk about? Timing. Why does he want this now? And so I ask certain questions that kind of box him in to become the person that would sign up. Right? So what are the beliefs that that man needs to have to sign up with me? I know those beliefs already because we've done this. I've I've done over 4,000 sales calls, right? Like you said, I sold tens of millions. So I know this kind of path and I just use him, use his own words to turn him into someone who would sign up. Pretty cool, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally with you. Um, But like normally towards like the end of the call, is, Mm -hmm. is this something you might bring up? Like, let's say that, you know, they said stuff in the middle of the call, like, oh, yeah, I do call the shots. And mm-hmm. yes, you know, they agree to all those things. Towards the end, do you, do you bring that up? Do you say to them, oh, by the way, like, remember you said, you know, you're the know, like call the shots. If they were to say, oh, I want to check with my business partner, do you bring that up? And how do you do that?
1: It depends on the situation. Um, yeah. That's a great question. So that would kind of be at the end of the call. I think what Lotfi's asking, like, what happens if you do do all that cool stuff and you're still at the end of the call and the guy goes, this sounds great, Lotfi. I'm interested, but even though I'm kind of the one who runs the stuff out of respect for my business partner, I think I'm going to have a conversation with him, right? That still could happen. Now, typically from there, you have what we call double commitment questions where it's kind of like, okay, and then you ask the question, is it more this or that? And if you ask those double commitment questions, they're kind of sneaky because they they box you in and either answer is a good thing for you. And so you could ask something along the, the lines of, okay, great. And I know you mentioned that, you know, you're kind of running the show as far as that uh, decision making process. Is this kind of just to let him know, like before you make financial decisions, like out of respect, or is this just to let him know like the reasons that you want to do this? And so I'm asking two questions. No worries. You want to talk to your business partner. Is this to kind of let him just out of respect, you kind of include him before you make those larger financial decisions, or is this to kind of let him know the reasons that you think this is a good idea? And he's going to say probably both. But even if he just chooses one, they're they're both good answers for me. Yep, this is just to let him know the reasons I want to do this. Or yes, before I make larger financial decisions, I include him. Notice how I said before you make financial decisions. I still labeled him as a decision maker. Right, so I'm asking these type of questions, and it normally I'm using the word you're using boxes people in. So if I say, okay, let's call this big buff dude Bobby, big buff Bobby, right? And so Bobby says, "This, all all right, this sounds good, man. I think gonna do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to swing by my my business partner first. No, no worries, man. And It's just just be, before you make larger financial decisions, you kind of include them, like out of respect, or is this kind of to let them know the reasons you're interested in doing this? No, it's yeah, I I guess I guess it's kind of letting them know. Okay, cool man. And when you just so I know, like if he doesn't understand the reasons you want to do this, what are you going to what are you going to tell him? If he doesn't understand the reasons you want to do this, what are you going to tell him? And the guy is going to the significant guy is going to be like, "Oh, no. If I say it it goes." Like this guy's not I'm going to tell him this, I'm going to tell him this, I'm going to tell him this. Right because he's in charge. He's the one who makes the decisions. And in that moment, he's going to convince me or more importantly, tell himself his own brain why he wants to sign up, because you're kind of boxing him in with those double commitment questions. You kind of see how that can still box him in even at the end of the call.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, so typically, you know, most people that do like sales calls these days, you know, they have like application forms, mm-hmm. you know, that come before the call and you know, they'll ask questions like this, like, you know, prior to even getting on the call nowadays, right? Um, Like how much of an effect have you seen that have on the call? And like, is, are these, let's say you do ask them on the form, Mm -hmm. like, you know, these questions, is this something you confirm again in the beginning or do you just like assume that it's, it's kind of there already? Like these, uh, those handling
1: the objections through the marketing ahead of time type type of question?
0: Yeah, like let's say on the survey, they they already said, yeah, I am the decision maker and I have the resources to invest and all all, all the good stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. do do you still confirm? If so, how how does that work?
1: So the reason why I typically will still confirm is because of the emotion. And this is going to get a little bit more advanced, but really all this is is getting people into a state that makes them feel like mine, right? You got to put people in a resourceful state. And a lot of times you need to remind them of things. People forget the form they filled out. People forget the ad they filled out. People forget all those stuff oftentimes, right? People don't even show up to the calls sometimes, right? If if they forget, right? So it helps to bring up some things that they mentioned. And so um, I do bring them up, but I bring them up briefly. And there's all these different ways to figure out finances, right? But yes, yeah, for example, if Latfi saying like, you ask an application ahead of time that says something along the lines of, Obviously, whether you're investing in yourself or a course investments take investing. So if you found this would be a great fit for you, would you be willing to invest financially? All right? it's kind of like a, are they open to the paying for this type of question? Um, yeah, great to ask those questions to filter out if they qualify ahead of time. But then when you're on the call, it doesn't hurt to ask certain questions too about like where they're cur- for, for a return on investment offer, like you might have, like where are they currently at with their business? Love it. What's the goal with the business? Okay, cool. What's the financial goal? Great. Is that sort of like your end goal? Or is that sort of phase one? That's a double commitment question. Is that sort of like your long term goal or is that just kind of phase one? Well, that's kind of phase one. Oh, I love it. And I love that you have like kind of phases. That's going to be super helpful. Um, what it's kind of a like big goal, just so I understand. And they're going to tell you like their bigger goal. Now you have a financial gap of where they're at and where they want to be. The bigger the gap, the more pain there is, right? And then that it can be a qualifying question too, where you go, okay, great. And one of the things we obviously specialize in is getting people from A to B. So just so I have a little bit of context, what are you currently doing? Where are you at with A? Okay, now how many leads are you getting? And what's that um, average price point? Just so I have like the most common price point. What is that? You could do some quick math. They're getting 20 signups a month at $1,000 a month. You go, okay, they're bringing in 20000 per month. And there's a little bit of financial clarity that you have on what they're bringing in. Right. So, yes, the application can answer some of these, but it helps for them to do it live on the call so you can control that emotion that they're dealing with. Does that make sense? I can give you some more examples too if you like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Why not? Yeah. So, so here it is. Here's like
1: the big game the game is people's state, people's emotion. Right. And so, you need to get people into a buying state. And if I'm dealing with someone who is way too confident, and he feels like he doesn't need any help, he won't need my help, right? So you think of this almost like this area that people buy. If they're too confident, they're not going to sign up. And if they're too beat up, they're not going to sign up, right? So you need to get people in this window, this parameter that where they actually will sign up, right? That buying pocket. And so if you want to get people in that buying pocket, you have to say certain things to get them in there, right? Like the guy who's too significant, I asked him questions like, I love that you actually understand all this stuff. And at what point though, did you realize you might be open to getting some support? And he's like, well, here's why I need support, right? So he's telling me that he needs support. So I'm pushing him. He doesn't, he's not going to do this on his own. And I'm like, oh, smart move. I'm telling him he's smart for 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 saying you want support. Smart move. Yeah, study after study shows you go farther and faster with support. So I'm glad I don't need to convince you of that. I guess though, so I should understand. And then I ask my next question. So I'm like, smart move, study after study shows you go farther and faster with support. I'm glad I don't need to convince you of that. And the significant guy's like, I've known this my whole life, right? Or whatever it is, right? So now he's super confident and I put him in that pocket. Whereas if there's someone else that's like, I tried ads in the past, it's a mess, nothing seems to work, or whatever the program is that they're buying. I've tried you know, business coaching, nothing seems to work. I've tried this. Nothing works. That person isn't going to sign up because nothing works. Why would your program work either? So he's still on the other spectrum. Maybe he's on the lower side. So that person might be looking for pity. Right. They want you to like feel bad for them. They might look be looking for understanding. Right. And so we need to pick that person up. And so oftentimes when I'm dealing with that person who no, nothing seemed to work for, I go, well, just so I understand, tell me a little bit about the approach you took last time. I took this and this and this. Well, that makes sense, man. You had like three things you were juggling and then you were trying to do a lot of this on your own. Like one of the things we talk about is let specialists do what they specialize in. And so in a way you're kind of set up to fail. like one man can't do 10 jobs. It sounds like you were trying to do like 10 things. And they're like, yeah, I was juggling a lot. Well, I mean, it makes sense, man. And you know, obviously, if you, I'm glad you're on the call, and you didn't, you know, give up. Like if you get in a car accident, it doesn't mean you should never get in a car again. But the fact that you're actually on the call shows that you have the right mindset for, you know, entrepreneurship. At what point did you think you might even be open to getting some support again? So now I built him up. It makes sense. It makes sense that you're not where you're at. You were kind of set up to fail. You didn't have everything you need. You were doing things on your own. You didn't have a specialist doing what they specialize in. Anyone could have failed with that, man. It totally makes sense. But the fact that you're on the call shows me you have that entrepreneur mindset. At what point did you think you might even be open to getting some support again? Because I built him up where he's like, yeah, you're right. It isn't my fault. It's not my fault. I was set up to fail. And now I can get after this and be set up to succeed. And then I ask, at what point did you think you might be open to getting some support? He's going to be like, oh, yeah, the last couple months, he's going to give you a good answer. Because I I lifted him up. Think about his emotion and his mindset. I brought him into a more resourceful state. Instead of me saying, well, why didn't anything work? And he starts blaming things on everyone else. Do you see the difference? The the, the distinction on what I'm doing to make him get get in a more excited state?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll
1: give you one more for your audience. This this one's great. Because I was selling a $30,000 program. And... I know I want to get this guy excited about the future. And so I get on the call. And by the way, he had already bought like a $3,000 program that we had. And so the trust was a little bit higher already because he knew the quality of our program. But I get on the call and I'm like, we'll call him Steve. Get on the call. And I'm like, "Um, Steve, uh, how's it going, man? And he's like, dude, terrible day, rough day, man. People weren't showing up to my sales calls the prospect that I'm trying to upsell is saying people weren't showing up to my sales calls. Um, I'm getting all these complaints from my business. And on top of it now, my girlfriend is giving me a bunch of trouble. But in the end, I got to try to figure out how to make it all in a beautiful end in a beautiful way. Those are exact words. And so as someone who's beat up, who who is not making any sales, who's getting people asking for refunds and complaints and his girlfriend's mad at him. Is he in a resourceful state to pay me $30,000? Not right. And so I know like I got to turn this guy around. And so he messed up though. If you notice, what word did he say? What positive word? He said, beautiful. He goes, but in the end, you got to figure out how to make it all in, in a beautiful way. And so I'm like, dude, yeah, that's tough, man. And that's frustrating. So not everyone has that skill. So how do you turn things around when you have those rough days and make it in in a beautiful way? I'm curious. He's like, oh, man, you just got to realize this is just one day, like in the end, like next week will be better. And then things there's ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And, you know, that's his business, man. But you got to just keep your head up and keep moving forward. So I'm like, I could feel him building up back into a better state. And then I go in my mind, I think, oh, he mentioned his girlfriend. It's a little bit more advanced, but I could pre-handle girlfriend objection right now. I could pre-handle the spouse objection now, so I don't have to deal with that at the end of the call. And so I'm like, I love that you have that way to turn things around into a beautiful way. And you have the right mindset, by the way. Like you said, there's ups and downs. But I I have a question, man, because it's always tricky when it's your girlfriend. How do you turn things around when it's your girlfriend? And he's like, oh, you want to know the secret? Here's how to handle your girlfriend. Here's what you do to make sure your girlfriend's on board. And so now in his mind, he's coaching me on how to handle his girlfriend without realizing he can no longer say yes. To ask his girlfriend for permission for to spend thirty k, and so he pays thirty k. So you see how I'm playing with people's state, getting them in a resourceful state where they're more likely to feel like buying, and at the same time pre-handling aj- objections. Right. So we recorded a hundred calls. I did night I closed ninety. It was ninety-one of hundred and one calls on a batch of calls, and it's these type of advanced things that we're doing. It's not too hard when you have like this the framework in front of you, but uh, is that helpful for you, Laffy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's very helpful. Um, maybe maybe we touch on this a bit more. So yeah, the, um, so all those calls were for the thirty k program.
1: No, the hundred and one calls were three different programs. Some were okay. business coaching, some were sales uh, coaching, and some was ad agency. I threw in a couple for my gyms. I did like four or five just sales calls to show this, my sales teams at my gyms, how to do sales calls, but it was mostly
0: those three things. And, um, like the 30 K offer is, is that, is that like upfront or is it spread out? Or how does, how does that work? That was upfront.
1: Yeah. If you spread it out, like wow. any, anything, it's more of yeah, larger payments.
0: Yeah. Well, so what, what, what was the offer exactly for the $30,000?
1: So this one was months ago. So the, the price point now is 50K for that same offer for us. Um, but the 30K was um, more one-on-one coaching, right? So he already did the sales training, which was like our $3,000 adjuster course. And then he went into the team sales training, where it's like group training where we teach you and you can ask questions in a group format, which was like 15K. And it included a one-on-one with me and a one-on-one with Eli Wilde. And so if you get a one-on-one, a lot of people are like that one-on-one alone was worth the price of enrollment, you know? So he learned stuff on those one-on-ones that made him like 40K. And so he's like, I have this money. What's next? Like, what else do you guys offer? And you go, well, we have this year-long program where we actually look at the sales teams. We actually look at this. We look at that. We can train your sales team. We can look at your actual script and we can adjust the script. So it's aligned with our framework we can give you one-on-ones, right? So that was what he signed up for.
0: Amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah. In terms of like the actual price itself, like on sales mm-hmm. calls, I feel like it's probably me because I, I think I might definitely have some limiting beliefs on people's ability to actually pay like big, sure. you know, like, even though I would I, I pay myself, I still get a thing where like, I'll think definitely about a prospect, mm-hmm. like bigger price points, like 15, 20, 30,000, 40,000, how much of that have you seen to be, be like the actual belief versus like, you know, the, you know, your ability to like talk to them on the actual sales, but provided the, the product is, is good, obviously. That's bingo, what you just said right there, right? Provided the product is good.
1: So everything I'm about to tell you, I'll tell you how you can sell like anything, $50,000 products, I'll teach it to you right now. But remember what lotfi just said, provided the product is good. That's so key. Not just that your product is great, but that you truly believe 100% that your product can change people's lives. You, can, you truly believe in your product. Because if you truly have that confidence, you also are going to have some composure. When someone gives you some questioning or some objections, or they say, wow, 50000 seems like a lot of money. I don't think I have that. And if you don't trust that your product's worth 100000 then it's going to be hard to make that sell. So you really step one, everything I'm about to tell you does not work unless your product is good and you truly believe in your product. So a lot of what we teach is that mindset stuff. And like writing out 40 examples of how your product will change people's lives, specific examples, right? And it floods your brain with all this confidence in your own product and service. And so we teach a lot of that confidence stuff first in your product. But now... Let's say you have a badass product. How do you actually charge people $50,000 for your product? Because by the way, there's probably someone in your space, whoever is listening, whatever your space is, there's probably someone charging 50K. And I remember when we first had our gyms, we had 1,000 active members over five locations and we still got the gyms. But at the time, we were charging less money, like $100 to $150 a month. And what was interesting is what we started doing was we we got better at sales, got better at our confidence, and we tried a new approach and we quadrupled our prices overnight. We went from charging people 150 bucks to six hundred dollars. And by the way, now we charge fifty thousand dollar things, right? But back then that was a big jump for us to charge six hundred dollars to someone who's never even stepped foot in our gyms. And what was crazy is a year after we started that, we had more members. You would think you would lose members, but make four times more. It made sense. We actually had more members. Why do we have more members? Well, if people paid more, it actually improved their experience. Did the experience change? No, but their perception of it changed. That it could be profound. If you guys watch this again, because this you know, 10 X my income, their experience we still, still have the same schedules. We still have the same coaches. We still have the same formats of the classes. The class is actually going to change. But by us having better cells, where we really understood their goal, the person they wanted to become, the problems they were experiencing. And we've created a customized approach to fix their problem. They were now buying a better future. And because they paid premium amount, they thought of it as this huge investment. And so they made sure that they got the result that they wanted out of this big investment that they made. And so by charging more, we got more testimonials because people got better experiences. So they had a better experience, better results, more testimonials, more referrals, and higher retention by charging more. And that was years ago, right? And so we kept going with this. And now, as you guys know, we have like $50,000, 100K offers, right? And the $50,000 product that we sell Same type of objections that we would get when people are buying something $150. So here's something that's really powerful to think about. There's the difference between perceived value and an intrinsic value. And if you look up at like a beat up Camry car, if you look at a car like a Camry or you look at a car like a Lamborghini, one is worth 10 times more than the other. But is a Lamborghini's air conditioning 10 times more cold? The Camrys? No. Is a Lamborghini's wheels 10 times more round? No. Do they have 10 times more wheels on the car? No. It's like, it's impossible for the Lamborghini to intrinsically be worth 10 times more than a Camry. So how do you make people buy it? It's the perception. It's the perceived value. How are they going to feel? What's their future going to be like? What's going to be different with their status or significance? Whatever those things are, right? Because the problem that most people make with sales is this. Most people are stuck selling the features of their program instead of selling the future of that person. So stop selling the features and start selling the future. And if you do that and you charge more, the perception is so much higher, they actually will get better results. And that's what we want, right? We want our clients to have the best results ever. And I heard one of my coaches once say, if you're the cheapest, no one will expect you to be the best. And if you're the best, no one will expect you to be the cheapest, which means just by charging more, once you have an amazing product, just by charging more and having a good sales process, you automatically are separating yourself from the competition in the client's mind. And that's all that matters. Does that help answer some of the questions for you?
0: Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. The, the perceived value increase in the price. I mean, it also brings about better clients. Yes. I've, I've noticed. So, um, a thousand percent, Yeah,
1: it brings by uh, better clients and they're going to refer you to better people. And then also it brings out the best in that client, which most people don't talk about because so many times people make the mistake of saying, and you probably have dealt with this yourself, man, like the leads are low quality, you know, the leads are low quality. Well, it's up to you to qualify those leads, right? And it's up to you to turn that person who's on the fence into an enthusiastic buyer, right? People are people. And there's a lot of people who don't have 50,000 in their bank, but are willing to get a loan out for 50,000 if they have a high likelihood of success. If it's clear for them that they'll make 300,000 if they invest 50,000 over time, they'll make that money back, they're gonna do it. Even if they have to borrow money or get a loan or get credit, like if the perceived value is there, they really know that this is the answer, they will find a way. So they don't need the money, right? So it's not that the leads are duds. We always joked about it because one of our uh, uh, salespeople back in the day was saying the leads are duds. And then I went in and we closed like six people the next day. The leads aren't duds. You just got to turn them into qualified people, you know, and so a hundred percent the perceived value will change the experience, but more importantly, how do you present your product in a way where they realize it's not just a product, but it's a better version of their life. And if you could figure that out, you figured out sales, you figured out how to help people.
0: Totally with you there. Yeah. Um, So that's interesting because, you know, I think you mentioned you you work with sales teams and you know, you've, I believe you've helped one of your companies go from 60K to, I believe, more than 2 million a month Mm -hmm. um, with with, with a sales team. So how do you actually go about, you know, building out a sales team and then also, you know, instilling that same belief that you have into them so that they they perform at the highest level? Curious to know about that.
1: a great great question man so yeah that that is such a fun team we we only teach a few sales teams right a handful of them just because it's not scalable it's easier for us to teach in webinars and one to many right Uh, but we're really hands-on when we actually do take on a sales team one of the teams that you mentioned went from sixty thousand dollars a month with four people on their team to a million dollars a month and that was incredible and now they made two million the last two months each month and they have 79 people on their staff And your question is kind of like, how do you get that to happen? Um, There's a lot of things. Well, one is this like having a good culture, right? So you really have to build a brand and build a culture, make sure everyone's on the same page. And so that's a lot of what you said earlier, like the foundational stuff comes first. And here's the problem with most people listening. They're probably wanting to write down cool tactics that I said, Ooh, I'm going to use that on a sales call. That's a, Those are the words. Those are the least important. That's a tactic. Really, you got to understand the more important stuff, like the foundational stuff, like really making sure people are aligned with your mission, your core values, your vision, having certain terms that makes your brand unique. Like what are your unique terms or, or sentences or slogans that you guys use? Really building a culture around it. And then once you have that, it's all about frames, And teaching people through frames, so you give them the lens to kind of see what they're doing. If people believe they're changing the world, they're going to work really hard. If people believe they're just working for a paycheck, that's not sustainable. And once they're making 20K per month or whatever that goal is, they hit their goal, they're going to lose some gas because they hit their goal. So you really need to make sure people are serving a larger purpose and people feel like they're part of a movement. And it's not just that they're part of a movement, they're part of a growing movement. So with these teams that we motivated, we made sure they understood the truth. They're part of a growing movement. They were a key piece of that puzzle. They're a key gear to the car, right? They were part of this, like they were a stockholder in the greater good. Like we needed them. They're important. We appreciate them. We want to hear from them. And you guys are changing people's lives. And if people really have that motivation and they remember that they're changing people's lives, there's going to be days where times are hard, but then they go, okay. I'm tired, but I know if I just get on the call and follow up with 10 more people, I can change possibly a few more lives. And that's why I'm doing this. And so a lot of it is that foundational stuff, right? Keeping them motivated, making sure they have the right mission and goal, that North Star. And then once that's in place, I can tell you like the beautiful part of frames. Um, But does that answer the first part of your question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah cool and then
1: you know That's you cool. kind of understand the game of frames don't you you know what that is right
0: yeah yeah um, yeah so just, just setting the right frame mm-hmm. um, I guess in the beginning of the call creating that frame yeah I feel like you, you asking the questions and them answering I saw um, one of them the sales calls you did mm-hmm. with with a guy in the group that mm-hmm. was uh, very interesting.
1: Oh yeah, what did you get from? Uh, you? What was interesting?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, just just the way you would kind of respond to, to the things you were saying, mm-hmm. um, and then also just having that, also just always kind of a- asking the questions. Yes, but yeah, but uh, there were definitely quite a few things that I missed out on there um, that you pointed out later on about the objections that he gave, which I didn't even notice because like the, the call felt, felt very smooth and I didn't actually even notice some of the objections that came up.
1: Yeah, that's the best part. Like, so here here's the one thing that you know you did good on a sales call. If at the end of a sales call, Latvi, someone says, hey, I was going to sign up anyways, man. So I'm excited. And they say, I was going to sign up anyways. That's one of the best things because that means they feel like it was their decision the whole time. That means they didn't even realize that I was asking questions that turned them into the buyer. And I hear that often. And in my mind, that's like the badge that I know I did my job because you've heard this before, but people hate to be convinced, but they love to buy. People love to buy stuff. They love to make investments. We'll take a picture. I just bought a $70,000 car with a ribbon on it. Here's a picture for Instagram. Like, People love to buy stuff. People love to get things, right? So they love to pay for things, but they just don't want to be convinced or sold. You know, they don't want to be like pushed. And so the best sales person is going to ask questions that allow the listener to come up or the audience or the prospect to come up with these beliefs themselves, these agreements themselves, these ideas themselves. And so by the end of it, it's just is a no brainer at the end of this, it's like, yeah, this makes sense because. And you handled finances, timing, spouse. Should I do this alone? Am I coachable? All those things, you've handled them to certain questions. And what happens with the brain? How does a brain make decisions? Well, it makes decisions based off the information in its head. So if you planted information with certain questions early on in the call, they're going to use that little calculator at the end end and think of all their objections. Let me think about it. Well, I can't say that because I I told them why I need this now four, four times already. It's too expensive. Well, I can't say that because I just told them why this could get me four times return or this can change my life. You know, let me talk to my wife. Well, I can't say that because I just said she's supportive or in a healthy relationship. She wants this too. Right. So their brain goes through all this stuff in split seconds and they go, okay, uh, this sounds good. Um, So what would be the next? How does this work? And they're sold. Right. So that's exactly the game you're playing. <clears throat>
0: Absolutely. Totally with you. Um, so just to touch back on like, like pre pre framing. Yeah. i um, like when it comes to markets, you gave me some advice when we spoke, um, this was a while back about, cause I think one, one of the things that I had was people who, oh yeah, they, they believe that they, well, people kind of wanted like media buys and whatnot, but with my solution, I tried to, have to do it themselves even yep. faster and cheaper. And you mentioned, you know, to mention that in my marketing and whatnot. But generally, like, what's what's some of the strategies you use when it comes to preframing in your marketing on the marketing side?
1: That's like the whole game, man. The, the preframe, and that's a great a great question, I think, to go over. So basically, um, what we did for you, and it worked really well, is we figured out a frame that allows your audience to be more likely to become a buyer. And it was all true, right? So. Um, this is really cool, man. The whole frame game. I was lucky enough. um, Me and Eli Weil flew over to Fort Lauderdale. And over there, we're in a program. One of our our friends and mentors, Myron Golden, is there. And I was sitting at dinner next to him. And he's kind of famous because he sold for Russell Brunson, ClickFunnels, record-breaking. He's one of the best selling from stage. And so him and I were breaking down what he did. And so I asked him questions like, hey, you did this, you did this. And at first, he wasn't really telling me like all the, the cool little ninja tricks that I was trying to get out of him, you know? And then I think he realized, oh, this guy's legit. Like he knows all this stuff. Because I was like, really? You did a interruption pattern and then you changed the VAK and then you did a, you know, fractionation and then you jumped to this frame and then you did a morality frame and then a self-selection frame. I went into all this stuff, advanced stuff. But he was like, oh God, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then he told me, all right, here it is, and he gave me all these secret things that he does to set frames. So this is Myron teaching me how he sold in twenty-seven minutes, like three million dollars. And then yesterday, Eli and I are on a call with one of our buddies, Marcel. Marcel Klein. He just—he's a hypnotist. Just sold someone for eight hundred and fifty thousand. One client paid him eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars to work with them. And he said, wow. "It's all about the frame." Right. So the frames are all that's the lens that you give someone to see the world. And so there's all these different frames that you can set up to help people see the world you want the way you want them to see it. I, I can give you one of my favorite frames that I use in like 80% of my sales calls. Would that be helpful?
0: Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So,
1: by the way, I just did a preframe that really built up what I'm about to teach you because I told yeah. stories that made you realize I have a secret technique. And then I said, and I can share it with you and your audience, if you'd like, would that be helpful? So now it's like this, you're co-authoring, there's an illusion of control, but it really makes you realize I'm about to drop gold, right? So I'm doing something to you right now, but I'm telling you what I'm doing. But do you see how I'm pre-framing it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Makes you want it, right? (laughs) And so that's a big problem, dude. Sometimes people drop too much gold without telling people they're going to give them some gold. But Let's assume this, let's work our way backwards. What do we want people to believe to sign up? Well, we want them to believe that you're in the investment, the amount that they have to pay, the investment, what they get is actually worth more than the amount they have to pay, right? You want them to believe maybe they pay $5,000, but they get $100,000. Or maybe they pay me $10,000, but they get a, thousand, a million dollar mindset, right? So you want the, in, the investment, what they actually get to be 10 times more than the price. We want that, right? So how do you get them to buy into that way of thinking? One thing I do on almost all my sales calls is I I break out of the normal type of questions and I start talking to them about who they are as a person. I talk to them about like their identity level. And so one of the things that I'll ask a lot of times is like, I know you mentioned having more time um, at home with the family. I love that you have that kind of that mindset. Is that something like new or have you always kind of had that goal of, of kind of being like a, a family man and retiring early or whatever it is about that, right? The family. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to have more money so I can kind of hire staff and, and spend more time at home. So now he's talking about him being a better father or her being a better mother or whatever, right? So now it's it's more than just a sales call. I'm selling a better way of life. I'm selling a better future. And they're saying they want to spend more time with their loved ones. So then I'll drop a frame and here it is. A lot of times I'll say like, I love it. And I love that, you know, what you want, because the truth is no one ever lays on their deathbed and no one ever thinks at the end of their life, I wish I worked more hours. You know, I wish I made more money. They don't think about that. What they think about, like you said, is like their time with their kids or their impact they had in the world, their time with their loved ones, like that's what matters more than anything, right? The quality of time that you spend with people. And so I love that you have the right perspective or the right goal at least. And every single time, I've probably done it a thousand times that I say that, because it is the truth. That is what life's about. I see them nodding their head like a hundred percent. This guy understands what I'm saying. So I'll drop that frame. It's a conversation we're having. But what they don't realize is we're having a second conversation, the hidden conversation. And by the way, my my thing just overheated, but I'm still here with you. The hidden conversation is that I'm getting them to say a thing like money isn't as important as your quality of time, right? Do you notice what I did? I said, at the end of your life, you're laying on your deathbed. You're not going to think, I wish I worked more hours or I made more money. You're going to think about the memories you have, the quality of time. So I love that you're doing this to get more time with your family or, or you're doing this for the right reasons. And so what that does when they agree to it is they're saying my quality of time is worth more than money. And now isn't that an important thing for them to think? It's super important for them to think that. Why? Because you're just about to ask them in a few minutes to give you a bunch of money so that you could improve their quality of time. Right? So that's a frame that you get them to agree to. And so later on when you just show them, I need you to give me a little thing like money so that I can increase your quality of time and your, time with your kids, they're going to be way more likely and aligned with that because they just told you that that's the way they look at life anyways. That could be epic. If your listeners understand that type of frame and why it works, that can absolutely change the game for them. But hopefully that was helpful for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that for sure. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole framing side, the the pre-framing and then putting in your marketing as well. Extremely important, yeah. I think it definitely sets people up the right way for before they come on the call. It's huge. Yeah.
1: The morality frames, there's perspectives frames, there's self-selection frames, there's us versus the enemy frame, very powerful. Um, all these frames, the better you understand them, not only can you be more impactful and help more people, but you also be aware of it when marketers are trying to do it to you, when you're watching commercials, when you see other people do it. And you could see through when people are doing it authentically, and if it's in alignment, and in congruency, or you can see when people are just trying to trick you, you know. And so yeah. that's the game. But if you understand frames, nothing is off limits.
0: Absolutely. Why don't we wrap this up with? Um, because I know you, you know, um, in your company now, you guys are doing more NLP mm-hmm. um, and c- certifications and whatnot. With yeah. um, with that, I'm curious, though. You know, some of these strategies with NLP in sales. You know, I know a couple of you have, I know, chunking up and embedded mm-hmm. commands. So why don't we touch on that for a bit to wrap up? To sure, wrap man. Up today. Yeah, not yeah.
1: a problem. So, NLP. What is NLP? So, basically for those who've never heard of NLP, NLP is a bunch of guys got together, they figured out what you know the best in the world were doing, and they modeled what they did, and they also created a system of language where they name things, right? So, when I would do sales calls, you guys know that moment where some you like let people just pause and think? Or you go, okay, shut up, Eli. Let them think about it for a moment. I always did that in sales. I just learned it through experience. Like, okay, you're talking too much. Music is the space between the notes. Slow down. And I paused. And I just knew that naturally. Well, NLP has a name for that. right. So all these little things that a lot of us are doing naturally, NLP figured out different names for a lot of these cool things that you're doing. And when you have a name or a system and subsystems, you can speak the language faster. You can teach people things faster. So that's why we always teach in systems in our program. Now we went through like NLP certifications and have master NLP guest speakers come in and stuff. So we know NLP really well. I went through those programs. I love it, but we kind of took the best of NLP and put it into the cells context. Because NLP, there's really two types of NLP. There's like the fun, cool language stuff. Um, and then there's a real strong therapeutic side of NLP. The therapy, most of NLP is the therapy side stuff and it works really well for a lot of people, but it's not as applicable to cells. But there's like four or five things that are really good with cells. And um, I think you're kind of asking like, what are some of those things and how to use NLP for cells, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So there's a few things that you can do. Um, one interesting idea is, because I'm going to use some NLP terms now, is there's chunking down and there's chunking up. It's making things more specific or making things mean bigger things. So that was one idea that I was talking about when someone says, yeah, I want more money. And we kind of figure out, well, what's the drivers behind that? Okay, cool. So when you say more money, is it this or that? Well, it's this amount of money. And if I had more money, what would I do? I'd have more freedom. Okay. And when you say you have more, you want more freedom, is that more so that you can like travel a little bit more and spend some more time at home? Or did you mean more freedom? Like you can hire a team below you. I I meant more freedom. Like I, well, both actually, I want to hire a team and I want more freedom at home. You know, so they're telling me these things I'm chunking up and making it mean more than just the money thing. So I'm I'm chunking up to a bigger picture. That's one cool thing that you can do. Um, the more advanced stuff, and this is the juicy stuff that we really don't teach to stage three because there's three stages of selling. And I talked to you guys about this earlier. I went through the first two, if you remember. The first stage is framework selling. The second stage is personality selling. And the third stage, if you really want to be advanced and start closing these 80 to you know 90% is trance selling. And this is where you can lose a little bit of people because it gets a little bit more advanced. But there's language patterns and hypnotic language patterns and and embedded commands that you can use, and you can learn to tell through teach through stories, and stuff. So here's one final thing that I'll give you that's super powerful. And I remember um, even Eli Wild uh, teaching me a lot of this stuff too because I was already successful with sales. I was already a sales coach, and then Eli one time is uh, on a zoom call with me and he saw all these things I was doing and I was closing like 80%. And he goes, if you just do this one thing, you'll be able to close even more. And he goes, if you really want to focus on sales, you need to understand this one thing. And so I'm like, I need this, right? So he goes, there's something called embedded commands and you could speak directly to someone and they're going to listen to you. They'll understand that they need to sign up today if you do this. And so it's called embedded commands. And what you can do is instead of just telling someone on a sales call, you should sign up, you can hide it in stories. So say I'm telling a story about me and Eli Wild, for example, and Eli Wild points at me and he says, you need to get better at sales. And if you need to get better at sales, you need to sign up for a sales course. So what I'm doing there, Lotfi, is instead of me telling Lotfi, you need to get better at sales, I'm saying I was talking to Eli and, or say Johnny or Tony Robbins or whoever, I'm just naming someone else. And they told me, so I'm telling the story as if they were telling me, but I'm also speaking to you. Do you see it? Does that make sense to you? Now that's really cool because yeah. then I could get away with a bunch of stuff because I'm not telling it to you. It happened to me, but your subconscious takes it in as if I'm telling it to you. So I can get away with someone telling me, You're just, you're saying you want to do things, but you're afraid to take action. And if you really want to change your life, you have to take action because here's the truth. And Eli told me your ducks are never in a row. Everyone always says, I want to get my things lined up and get my ducks in a row. But I remember him sitting there and he goes, that's not reality. And you know that ducks don't just stand in a row. What happens is one duck takes action and starts leading and the other ducks follow along, but you have to be willing to take action and move forward. And so I'm saying you have to be willing to take action and move forward. You, Latvi. I'm telling you, but I'm hiding it in a story that someone else told me. And so you, your brain can't really get defensive because I'm not telling you it. And you're going to take all that in and take action. Really, really powerful stuff, especially when you're using it in marketing or selling one to many. This is how I saw it. Like Eli Wild, my business partner, close. There's 110 people in a room. He closed over 80 of them. And this wasn't like a $99 thing. It was thousands of dollars. He closed over 80% of the room because of these advanced frames and embedded commands and this, this fun stuff. But hopefully you guys got a lot. We went over like a lot of stuff today, but do you feel like this was helpful for you guys, Muffy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've definitely unpacked quite a lot. And I know for a fact there's so much more um, that that you got, <laughs> the, um, that you have... Um, you know, behind closed doors, and because I've seen some of the content you've been teaching, it's like there's there's a lot in there, and I barely scratch the surface. Yes, sir. Um, you know, with you, your stuff and your business partner, Eli. But yeah, I appreciate you coming on today and going through all these things. And but uh, but overall, like, where, where can people learn more about you, and if they want to work with you or you know um, partner up and whatnot?
1: You can go to wildinfluence.com. You can log in there. Um, that that's one. Wild is w i l d e so there's a e after wild you can do wildinfluence.com. that totally works um or just message us on facebook we're in a new world right with these facebook groups and facebook stuff so you could just message me directly eli sanchez on facebook or message eli wild on facebook and us or the team will get back to you and we'll uh we'll see if we can help you guys
0: sounds good sounds good but yeah we appreciate you coming on um We covered so much stuff and hopefully we'll have you again. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for having me, Lafay.
0: See you soon. Bye
1: bye.